Hi everyone and welcome to the Supporting Champions podcast. My name's Steve Ingham. The idea behind these podcasts is to explore the science, the art, the purpose and the origins of high performance. I'm keen to discuss these concepts, the people who've achieved at the highest level, those people who have been driving force in making high performance happen, and from those who've explored and researched aspects of human performance in real depth. You can subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or for more performance insights at supportingchampions.co.uk. And if you're enjoying the podcast already, then we'd really love for you to provide a review on iTunes. In this week's episode, I'm sharing with you an interview with Tony Minicello, recorded at one of our high performance workshops late 2017. The focus of the discussion was communication. Now, I'm sure you know who Tony is, but if you don't, then he's best known for coaching the heptathlete Dame Jessica Ennis-Hill, Olympic champion, three-time world champion, world indoor champion, European champion, British record holder, face of the London Olympics in 2012, and supermum. Now, I've known and worked with Tony since 2001, and we've had a long-standing partnership in support of Jess and many athletes. But while we've chatted through so many areas of performance over the years, it was really great to explore the critical area of communication and hear how his philosophy has taken shape over the years. Tony, thanks for joining us. Welcome. We're interested in communication and how we convey knowledge and ideas for maximum impact um i'm keen to get your thoughts on on what you like how you keen you're keen to work with other people but i'm interested to know what your communication style is what people would expect of you if they're working with you yeah i think if you look at it from a coach's perspective obviously communication is key because that's how you get new ideas across to people so it's how you frame it that that person then takes the idea from you and turns it into a performance. The other thing that is, is quite crucial is trying to get information uh, from a coach's perspective, is get information from them. Not only checking understanding, but how do you, how do you think you're going to achieve that outcome? What, what do you think? What did you feel? How have you, uh, have you adapted to the situation? How are you dealing with the problem? So trying to get the information back. And that that varies a lot with people because if you, the way you talk to a, a 12 or 13 year old compared to somebody who's in their 30s a huge amount of experience no experience some experience an idea of what of the concept no idea of the concept it's all the time you you you're flicking through so i think as a from a coach's point of view you're always bending and twisting your communication style to try and find the one that will fit best for that individual and for that situation. So in that instance, are you talking about the, the questions that you'd ask, the, or the, are you talking about the broader manner in how they would expect to experience working with you? Yeah, I think, I think so, because we're both striving for the same outcome. Um, I want you to succeed, you want to succeed. So you, you're framing the question appropriately for that individual. I, I suffered a lot with... Um, leading questions a lot um, a friend of mine who was teacher trained just happened to be visiting one of the coaching sessions and he said that's a leading question and I was like what? and he was like you that's were, a leading you were yeah. asking and I was like athletes. and he just kept saying it so it was like this nagging give us an example to, come on I was like uh, that was better wasn't it? right <laughs> 
bet that felt better. And it's like, leading question, leading <laughs> question. Now, and after about three or four minutes of this, I just wanted to punch Kev in the face. I'm like, shut up, you're here to visit, just drink your coffee and watch. <laughs> and it was kind of like, yeah, actually, it is. It is did a leading him, question. Did you, did you ask him? You've got some, you've got some observations <laughs> to make, haven't you? <laughs> but it's kind of, because really what I was trying to do was within the question was be encouraging at the same time. Right. That's better, isn't it? Which is okay. my semblance of, well done, that's good. And it was kind of, so now I'm a little more conscious about what I say. There was another thing I did with a psychologist, was use video cameras, iPhones, iPads, and all, all, all paraphernalia. But part of it was that you'd get a richer answer. So somebody runs down the runway, long jumps in this instance, you take the video film, and then, actually shut up, don't say anything, just go over with the, right, have a look at that. And then once they've seen it, you then go, now, tell me what you thought. Whereas normally somebody runs down and because you're instantly trying to do something, yeah, how was that? What is that? How does that feel? What's that like? Was right. that better? So and that, but from the psychology model, for them to feel it internally, right. then witness it on film, then when you ask the question, they'd give you back a much richer answer. And, but again, it depends on the level of, of the youngsters and stuff. And if I'm honest, most people, when they watch video of themselves, critique themselves negatively. They're always looking for the thing they did wrong. Right. Oh, I didn't do that very well. Oh, no, yeah, but we weren't working on that. We were working on this. Yeah, but that wasn't good. <clears throat> this, I should have done that more. I should have done that. And it's, it's frustrating. But I sometimes wonder if they do that because of my communication style earlier and that it's coaching a lot of the time is correcting, correcting, okay. correcting. So you always tend to focus on what went wrong more than you do what went well. So it's communication. Is that your style or is that coaches in general in the sense that you, you have to be picking up the, the areas for improvement? What, what would be the, 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 the differentiator, the unique coach communicator of Tony Minicello. Oh, Christ. I, I, think, I think I'm trying to add value to that individual. So I think there is a lot of direct communication and, and, and so on with individuals. I mean, I'll, t I'll, I'll tell you a bit of a story. And I know you know, but for the sake of people to sort of understand, and one of the sort of really pivotal moments in terms of how I, I look at myself on a coach is that Jessica Ennis-Hill is running down a long jump runway. And I'm thinking, right, she's 21, 22 years of age. We're trying to change a skill. We're trying to change from a right foot takeoff to a left foot takeoff. I've been working together, Christ, since she was 13. So it's about eight or nine years we've been working together. So we know each other well. She's a mature individual, reasonably successful. So you make assumptions about communication. So. There was a communication model for coaching where you're asking, how does that feel? Let the athlete create ownership of it. What do you think we should change? What's this sort of thing? So I would use that model with her on the long jump. In, in a stressful situation, because you're trying to change feet in the long jump. So we're doing this, and I'm doing this for a couple of months, six, eight weeks or so. And we sat with a psychologist, and she sort of said, um, oh, we're sort of chatting away, and I said, oh, I'm really open and this. And Jess was unconvinced by that as a discussion point for me, which is the politest way of putting it. And I said, no, I am. And she said, she said no, no, you're really stubborn. You're very directive in this. I'm going, no, no, I'm all embracing. I'm lovely. I'm like a cuddly teddy bear. And she, she said, give me an example. I said, well, oh, on the long jump runway. 
there you go. I'm always asking you how you feel, what your input should be, and so on. And she went, oh, I get it. So I was a bit perplexed by that as an answer. I get it. What do you, what do you mean? She said, well, whenever you ask me those questions, I don't think you know what you're talking about. So I've actually lost confidence in you coaching <laughs> me long jump. I was like, what? So it was in order to engage the person, I was using this sort of language, these open questions and getting her to take ownership. She'd interpreted that as though I was asking her for the answer because I didn't know. Okay. And and you kind of so that so but the conclusion of that was, well how do you want to be coached? And it's interesting in high performers, a lot of them just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Just tell me the thing to do and then I'll get on with it. It doesn't mean that you don't have those conversations, but it's amazing how High-performing people just want to get on and do, and they want very instructional, direct communication with okay. them, which is contrary to what you'd read in a lot of things. Did you ever zoom out of that and um, and be able to sort of frame the method that you were going to use so that they could engage with it? Um, uh, yeah, I think I think what you do is you frame the session. Right, today we're working on this. Is what we're this is critical thing. Yes, you're working at the whole. You're working at the whole movement, but the particular element of the movement that you need to okay. work on is this and this. So here's the drills, this is what we do and so on. Are you feeling that? Are you understanding that? Do you understand yeah. that as a concept? And then there's the bouncing back and forth. That's not working so well, the video footage. What do you think? Oh, I'm gonna think of it, fine. And it, when it goes well, the other thing for me is, is kind of triggers for people. Um, one of the old coaches who used to mentor me would always use think, when you come in on the last two steps, I want you to go bop bop. And you're kind of like, it doesn't, it's nonsensical in terms of what it is, but I think you can understand that you wanted a quicker last two rhythm. And sometimes when Jess would come down and go, well, that, that worked well. Yeah, 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 it worked really well. This, what were you thinking of? I was just thinking of flow. Oh, flow, right. The word for you will be flow. We'll endeavor to use that from session to session, right, okay. flow. So what you're trying to do is find a bit of vocabulary that works for them and then reuse it and remind all the time. So again, yeah. part of the questioning is, what language do you want to do? How do you want it framed? How do you want the package to be that you will buy? You mm. will buy that product, or you'll buy that element of coaching the most readily from me. And if you're training a group then, if you're specifically tuning to the way that Jess uh, likes to think, she might be thinking of something quite creative, almost ethereal, and of using the word flow, but other people might not want that. They might want the auditory, yeah, musical I, I, sounds. I mean, in fairness, I work in an individual sport, so you yeah. you are kind of you work in one to a few, but fundamentally, even within that, you work in one to one because it's you and your technique, and it's the other person and their technique. So it is more one to one, and and it's sort of there's some crossover. So Jess has thought of it as flow. She thinks of it as flow. How do you think of it? You, okay. Does that work for you? Oh, okay. <clears throat> Inevitably, what you sometimes find is people will use, because Jess was Olympic champion, they'll be like, oh, that must be right then, so flow's the right word. Oh, yeah, I've got to think of flow. But then okay. flow doesn't resonate with them any, any way, shape, or form. So in a team environment, if you said the word flow, I don't know, maybe 30% would pick up on that and go, yeah, I get that. <coughs> the other 30% would go, well, I kind of understand it, I'm not uncomfortable yeah. with it. And the other 30% would probably think, what on earth is he talking about? Flow, that. well, that's a rubbish. So it's difficult in a team aspect, yeah. I think. Um, 
But even within that, if you've got 11 players or 15 players on pit, you're going to talk to people in certain ways. You're going to, right, he needs an arm around him, he needs a very sturdy, he needs to be, this person's more laissez-faire or, mm. or whatever. So you, you, you're always going to adapt your style to the individual. So what I'm hearing there is that actually tuning into the, the common language, the language, the way it works around here on a one-to-one -one basis, picking up and reusing their terms, but, but also what I heard you talk about there is is checking with them. Does this does this work for you? Mm. I remember sitting down with an athlete and, and I said, "Look, what do you think of all this, these these numbers and so on?" I can't stand it. I just want the bottom line. I just want yeah, you to yeah. talk to me, or other people will need some of the the detailed information first. And you're just asking them is a you know, reasonable. Technique. I think this this what well, I found one of one of the early models that I used, and, and there's hundreds of models and toolkits and whatever that people will talk to you about, whether these various different things. But one of the models that I tend to work with closely, I don't know whether I work with it accurately, but work with it fairly yeah. closely, is looking at people's motivational styles. So the way the model works is um, that there are four motivational styles, and we're, all of these things were motivated to do something in a particular way. So um, red people, there are four colours, red, green, yellow, and blue. Red people are very driven, very direct, very driven in, in terms of that. Uh, green people are more planners, they want planning. Yellow, more arty, more creative. Mm. And blue people are more about relationships. Now you're all of these things. The best way it was described is that if you've got a room full of people and they were very specifically split, then if the task was giving them climb this mountain, put a flag on top, the reds would be like, yep, right, flag mounted top, let's go, let's go, put it on top. And that's what motivates, come on, let's go, let's hurry up. Greens would be more, is there a plan? Have we got a plan? How, mm. how are we planning it? Are we doing it today or is it tomorrow? Is it next week? What are we mm. doing? What's the plan? Yellow would be much more creative and they'd be looking at, okay, I understand the task. and How can we do this creatively? What mm. can we do? What what? tiny little bit you know that really appeals to me how oh, you know a bit like the numbers that you suggest and the blues would be does everybody like me do we get on mm. are we are we all okay climbing this mountain are we all all right this sort of thing mm. jess was pretty much the two that tend to dominate with anybody and jess was very um red green very driven very direct but had to have a plan always has to have a plan and and it had and came to me kind of that way. It's not something I've created. It's just her. She would have great comfort if there was a plan. So giving her a sheet of paper. Monday we do this. Tuesday we do this. So on. Yeah. Next Monday it'll be like this, and it's structured. An absolute structure. The best way to irritate her was to have no plan and try and oh we'll just let's come down today and just see what we feel like doing. It, no comfort at all in that and not motivated because she needed that kind of structure. So there's a downside to that because she'd look at the plan and go, it only says six runs. And I go, yeah, but you look great today. We'll do a seventh. No, but the plan says six. Right, okay. So you you have to buy, buy in. Oh, no, no, no. We're just we're following this very specific path. Um, myself, I'm, I'm a bit red-yellow. I like to look at the creative how do we build this how can we do things clever how can we do it smarter how can I train more in less time yeah. and to people like yourself are an absolute blessing when it came to looking at 
improve? How can we warm up? How can we effectively warm up? How can we work this energy system without upsetting this energy system? How do we balance those things? And that, for me, I think work, works really, really well. So, um, in terms of the communication style and how you flex that under the different conditions, so day-to-day training, the drudge, the grind, and then things start to escalate into the early competition, and then you have to communicate with someone like Jess in the moment before the biggest moment of your life, potentially. How, how does your communication change? Um, I think when, when, you, when you're in a training environment, there's a discussion, there's two and four. You've got plenty of time, loads of time, to deliver information. When you're in a competition environment, you've got it's about 16 people in a pool, let's say long jump, you've got maybe 16 minutes between jumps in terms of recovery. In high jump, it'll be less because the people have gone out, the competition, so on. So you've got a very tight room. You need to get your information across very sharp and, and succinctly in a short period of time because then they've got to go and digest that information and then go through whatever ritual they want to before they come back down the runway. So um, the the psychological model of seven, seven boxes plus or minus two, um, mm. there's already going to be some of those boxes are already full of information in the brain. So the environment, the fact that they're in London, the fact that it's the Olympic Games, the fact that it's your, it's it's the thing you've always dreamed about, you've got all that and your mum's in the audience, whatever, you've got all that buzzing around. So I'm always thinking on a competition day, I'm only going to try and give you two points. Try and make it two points. Now then, that might be split a little bit, but it's fundamentally I'm going to tell you two things. So on a long jump runway, drive out at the back, um, is, is one thing. I want to improve the drive at the back, be tall or, or work the board. That, that's three things now, but you pick two. So drive out at the back, make sure you work the board at that end. Now I might embellish it a little bit, say drive out, push, be strong coming out of the back, but drive out the back and at the board, be active, stand up tall. There again, they're connected to those two pieces and then away you go. But be very short and sharp with that information. And also, to the same extent, be happy to just sit there and go, that's good, great, okay, and just nod. And that's difficult, I think, for a coach, because you spend hours and hours and hours rabbiting at the track, and then you get to a competition, and that's the moment you have to shut up. And it's kind of like, that's not normally my modus operandi. Normally, I'm giving, giving, giving. Now, I'm just, that's good, yeah, it's great. Okay. And also look for their cues. If they come to you, do they want information? If they don't come to you, even though I've got this glowing sort of, oh, I've got this, this, you do what? Yeah. Okay, just we'll save it for later. Right. Um, that's a bit tough to deal with. So, so I'm hearing there, you, you, you're keeping it really sharp. You're condensing it down to the like a common set of words. But again, you're tuning into words that someone like Jess is cued into. Well, let me tell, let me give, I'll give you an example. So, I think a few people have heard the story. London 2012 is the biggest competition. She's face of the games. You're under the biggest amount of pressure. She's leading after the first day by a, a large margin. But long jump is mm. has been a bit ropey um, for the year at that particular point. So we're not running well. We're not jumping well. She normally takes 17 strides in terms of the runway. 
Um, that was all fixed. We'd shortened it from 19 strides to 17, so there was a little less speed, so she could control it better at the board. We went into the holding count. We did four long jump sessions in, in 10 days, which is unheard of. You'd normally do probably about two. Um, but we were trying to get it right, trying to get it right. And you talk about language at that point. The first three sessions, they were rubbish. They were genuinely rubbish. But every time we did anything, it was like, yeah, that's good. That's coming. That's good. All I'm trying to do is um, is motivate, is is to give them confidence, even though they know it's not quite right. I'm like, oh, no, no that's pretty good. I like that. That bit's good. You're always pushing the positive element of it. From that, it wasn't until the fourth session that, that it was, um, it looked something like, and you were like, okay, I think, I think we'll do all right. So after the first day, the first event on on the second day is long jump, and that's the critical event. If you get no points in that, your Olympic medal's gone. Gold medal's definitely gone, obviously. But for us to get a medal or still maintain that first, there it is. So she comes out, she measures out a runway, as she does comes down the runway, she takes two runways through, it looks good, mm-hmm. it looks fine, I'm like, okay, here we go, competition starts, she comes down the runway, she takes off, lands in the pit, not a great jump, crowds the board a little bit, and I'm sort of, oh, okay, okay, but we got points on the board, mm-hmm. so deep sigh of relief at that point, Paul Bryce, the biomechanist, turned to me and he went, how many strides did you take on the runway? I said, 17, he says, she's taking 19 steps, and I went, what? Show me the film. So I'm looking at the film and I'm going 15, 16, oh, no board, 17, 18, <laughs> 19. Okay, so he's taking 19 strides. And he just looked at me and he went, what are you going to say? And I haven't got a clue. But I'll work it out by the time I get to the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> and it's sort of, and she was at the bottom of the stairs and she's sort of waving because she's not in a confident place. She's got points on the board. And that, I, I sort of came down the came downstairs and I'm just thinking what am I going to say what am I going to say what am I going to say and um, I just looked at her and I went how did that feel how was that she went oh it's alright I went it's 598 it's points on the board that'll do how's it feel mm. uh, yeah it's a bit this I need to jump further I went okay well you're crowding the board a little bit move it back a couple of feet drive out the same way and again work the things we've worked just reiterated the points that we worked in the holding camp but really just move it back two feet and just make sure you work out the back so you develop yeah. the speed. Didn't mention the fact that she's taking two extra strides. Right. Even though internally I've got this burning ball of indigestion <laughs> that says, what do I do? What do, I do? So the second time she comes down the runway, she jumped, I think, 6.43. That was a huge jump. That nailed the gold medal there and then. And then she jumped 6.45 in, in, in the third. And if you watch her reaction, if you watch it on YouTube, mm-hmm. she comes out of, out of the pit and she goes double fist pump. It's like, yes, like this. And she's not a double fist pump individual. She's normally a, you know, she's very delicate. Ooh, I've done so well. She's not, she's like, yeah. And it is just relief that that event, she's nailed it. It's gone well. It wasn't until afterwards, the day afterwards, and I I sort of go, how many strides you take on the runway? Just 17, I've always taken that. I said, here, look at the film. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's 19. I said, well, what do you think? She went, I won, didn't I? And the gold medal was pulling her down to look at the video. But at that point, when you're talking about communication, either coach what you see or coach what you think should be coached. You have to make a decision. It's a judgment call as you're coming down the stairs. What am I going to say? But you know the individual. You know the stressful situation. If I'd suddenly gone up and gone, 
damn, you're taking too many strides. Uh, you need to move your runway in. How far do I move okay. it in? I haven't got a clue. Da, 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 da. Suddenly the competition goes bang mm. and you're in somewhere. So you have to make a judgment call at that point, I think, about how, and what you're going to say. And it was the same. It's come down, two bits of information. It's all you can do, so coach what you see. You're talking there about being artistic. <laughs> An artistic license into to the things that you're presenting in front of um, others. And What would be your, if we sort of just last question, what would be your top tip of people communicating with you? So you're talking about communicating there with Jess, but you're dealing with performance directors, you're dealing with ologists, you're dealing with agents... And then when they're working with you, what would be your top tip to them? I'm I'm looking I'm looking for someone something that's going to add value to the outcome, and the outcome isn't me, the outcome isn't you, the outcome is the athlete in that performance because an athlete will that success has many fathers and failures and orphan, so they'll lose alone. But when they win, we'll all oh, it was my genius coaching. It was the this sort of thing. So I need somebody who understands that and will be around on the bad days and around on the good days. But I want you to bring something of value, preferably tried and tested to a certain extent, but something that's going to add value to this individual so they continue to, to move on. Because let's be honest, everybody wants to win. And if they win, I win in retrospect from that. So that's what I want. I want something that's tried and tested is balanced that I can add easily without having to throw the baby out with the bathwater and really adjust things mm. um, and it's going to give us an outcome mm. that's a great uh, great thing to finish on so um, thank you very much Tony thank you you can hear more from Tony from his speech at the 2017 Supporting Champions Conference available on this podcast you can also follow him on Twitter at coach underscore Tony or on his website, tonymilicello.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ingham underscore Steve and at support underscore champs. And you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, YouTube, and for more performance insights at supportingchampions.co.uk. And if you're already enjoying this podcast, we'd really love for you to provide a review on iTunes. Join us next time when I'll be talking to ultra endurance athlete, Joe Meeks.